so glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. It's me, a rip-off's coming up in just a few minutes. You notice how many robocalls are coming into your phone day after day after day? It's not your imagination. I'm going to tell you why the robocall thing is actually getting worse in today's Clark Rage. And later, in one of the greatest public health moves ever in the United States, the number of people smoking has reached an all-time low. But I have an assignment for you with that I'm going to share with you later. So I talked probably three times over the last three years about pothole vigilantes. This is where people in a community fed up with the potholes that local or state governments aren't getting around to filling are going around as posses filling those potholes. People meet typically early on a Sunday morning at a designated place and they go out and patch potholes to great relief to people who don't break a wheel or get a flat tire or harm their car because of a pothole that hadn't been attended to by local government. And this is a problem place after place around the country. So much so that Domino's has smelled an opportunity. Domino's now has a paving crew that they take community to community called Paving for Pizza, where they go around and they fix potholes, supposedly in order to improve their deliveries by their delivery drivers not having to deal with the potholes. But the truth is, it's a real crowd pleaser. This got a lot of publicity when it was done originally in Athens, Georgia, home of the University of Georgia, where there was a big pothole problem. And now Domino's selectively, I guess, around the country based on either where they've been asked to come or for getting the most marketing bang out of it, they're traveling around fixing these potholes. But it is a solution to a symptom, not the problem. The problem is that around the country, we have nearly half our roadbed that's in disrepair. And it's an issue because we as Americans, well, we're just not willing right now to pay, and we haven't come up with a mechanism to pay in order to maintain the roads, which is funny because it ends up costing us more. One estimate I saw from The Guardian is it costs $500 approximately per driver per year on average for the damage that occurs to cars I remember one night driving home, I had a pothole about the size of Wyoming with my car, and it busted the rim, and the tire exploded. And there I was by the side of the road, and I was coming home from an event. It was pretty late at night on a dark night in winter. I mean, what are the odds? Everything that could happen went wrong, and... It was simply because of that pothole. 
And so that was a pretty expensive thing that I had to deal with. Plus, uh, you know, I'm a guy. It was okay for me to be stranded. What if, what if it was uh, your sweetheart or your wife or your daughter who's out there in the dark alone late at night and they're by the side of the road because of a pothole? I mean, the answer is really simple to say it's getting people to nod and say they're in on it, and that is you having to pay road user fees, which most often are collected at the pump in gas taxes. I actually, because I have an electric vehicle in my state, I have to pay a punitive fee every year when I register my vehicle. I'm charged $208, and they set it at three times what the average driver pays in gasoline taxes because the individual who wrote the bill was anti-electric car. So I can feel really superior because I'm paying three times the freight. Why don't they repair three times the potholes on my path? But the point is, we all want lower taxes. We want lower fees. But in order for us to have a roadbed that is proper for our vehicles, we just flat out have to pay more to get that done. Matt's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Matt. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Matt. So your daughter's coming into some money. I hope she wasn't hurt to be no, coming into no, this money. No, like that. It's a, it's a civil suit for, for unpaid benefits and stuff from a former employer. Well, of the things I hear when it involves somebody receiving money from a settlement, that's like the greatest ever because she's not hurt or anything like that. So that's that's great. So her question is, she is working towards repairing credit after a string of bad financial decisions right after college. Um, and her concern is that her credit history, when she goes on Credit Karma, the length of her credit history is one of the things that's keeping her numbers down. So she's worried that if she uses windfall money to pay off all of her debt, then her age of credit history, she only has one credit card. She finally got an unsecured credit card, but only about four months ago. So she wanted to know if she should pay off her student loan as her oldest debt. That's almost five years old. Yeah, this won't affect her aging of her debt at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, so just because you pay something off, it doesn't make that vanish as a debt you had or the aging of that debt. So it's all to the good for her to use the windfall from this settlement to pay towards the debts that she has and get rid of them. Do you know what her credit okay. score is today, according uh, to Credit Karma? I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure exactly what it is today. I know when she she moved uh, back home from college, she moved back uh, closer to home. And when she moved back, her credit score was in the low to mid 500s. Okay. And she had defaulted on a couple of payday loans, and there were debt collectors calling us all the time. And But she's worked her way out from under most of that, and I think she's up somewhere in the mid-sixes, maybe 660. She's well on her so. way then. 
you know, she pays off the student loan debts. She makes sure there's no collections that are still outstanding. She should be able, now that she has a traditional unsecured credit card, she may well be able to get another sometime this year. And, you know, I'm into this Noah's Ark rule that you want to have a minimum two credit cards from two different issuers. She mm-hmm. should be able to do that, and she will build solid credit from here. It sounds like she's 100% learned her lesson about <laughs> handling money. We hope so. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I, I don't think it was you telling a story the way you wanted to tell it. It sounded like, from what you said early in this conversation, that she really has it now. She really gets it. Oh, yeah. This is all on her own. She's, yeah. she's taken this all on her own and taking it into her own hands and so she's she's turned everything around all by herself she's going to be absolutely fine and using this money to extinguish debt will just make things even better for her excellent okay i will pass the information on i appreciate the advice and you know lessons learned young that stay with you for a lifetime are the best lessons of all so i agree so good for her and we're speaking now with Lori. Hello, Lori. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Clark? Great, thank you. So, Lori, I love what you're about to ask me. <laughs> Good. So, I would like to start a new morning routine where I go online and I find out what the latest news is nationally, locally, and around the world. And I can't seem to find a good website that provides news that's relevant and nonpartisan, fact-based, and gives the whole story. But I thought you might have some recommendations for me. Well, uh, are you ready to exhaust yourself just listening to me about this? <laughs> because, I'm ready. Because I read, on a typical day, I read four to six hours of content. Oh, wow. Okay. And I start each day with the Financial Times of London, which okay. in my world is the best financial publication that exists. And so okay. I, I read things that are so ridiculously dull. And it's funny, I, you know, we meet every day before the show and we talk about ideas and I'll have something that I brought in and I'm getting these blank stares why does this story matter to anybody? And then I'll explain it. And they're like, oh, okay. And so I, mm-hmm. I dig deep into what's behind the scenes and not, you know, not the spin you're hearing or anything like that. So right. that is my number one read. That is, uh, my wife calls it one of my girlfriends is the Financial Times. Now, okay. another of my uh, girlfriends is the Wall Street Journal which I read every day, and their sister publication, Barron's, which I read every weekend, because Barron's is a once a week. Okay. I read um, Bloomberg throughout the day. I read um, Business Week every week that it comes out. I read Consumer Reports every month. And I'll hit you quickly with the newspapers that I look at online every day. And okay. I, I can tell you what they are because I'm such a creature of habit. I read the okay. L.A. Times, New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today, Kansas City Star, 
the uh, Post Intelligencer from Seattle, the Orlando Sentinel, the Houston Chronicle, the Sun Sentinel newspaper from South Florida. I read the New York Post and the Dallas Morning News, the Detroit Free Press, the Detroit News, both so I know what's going on in the car business, and mm-hmm. Market Watch. And then I read a bunch of blogs as well in different categories. I read blogs in the automotive industry, the electronics industry, and I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Travel, if I didn't mention that, I read a lot of travel stuff. And so I am a news junkie. I don't read any opinion pieces at all. I have no interest in somebody trying to tell me why I should believe a different uh, this slant or that slant or the other i only want to read information that i can absorb that broadens my base of knowledge in the area that i'm interested in which is only the wallet and do you know by the way laurie outside of that i am the most ignorant person you have ever met i cannot tell you anything about show business movies television music popular culture i mean i'm just dull well i don't think you have time to to learn about all that when you spend four to six hours reading all that other stuff (laughs) and oh and i don't watch television at all except for nfl football wow i could do that too not watch tv yeah so so uh can you imagine how did i ever find somebody wanted to marry me as dull as i am But my wife just didn't know any better, and that's how we've been married almost 23 years. Today's Clark Rageous moment is something we can all identify with. How many junk phone calls are now coming into our cell phones? It is an absolute Clark Rage. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. So this is from Haya, which is an app you can download to help screen out junk phone calls. But this is a stunner. There were 5 billion junk phone calls received by people in the United States over the first 90 days of this year. 5 billion. That means before this year's out, if the mass stays same ratio, 20 billion junk phone calls will be made this year. And it's a terrible problem because the criminals are spoofing phone numbers of all different types where it appears you're getting a phone call from an organization you might normally answer the call from. And so I want to tell you how I am handling this Clark Rage because it is a terrible, terrible aggravation. I no longer answer a call from any organization because now I don't know if the caller ID has been spoofed. I only answer a call from an individual when that individual's name pops up as one of my known contacts in my directory of contacts on my phone. I know this sounds so extreme, but it's actually pretty simple. Because that way, with my voicemail, I'm able to see 
the message because I use one of those voicemail apps and I know whether it's somebody I need to call back or some organization I need to call back. So that's the thing. We right now can't stop the junk phone calls. There's even some uh, people insinuating there's incentives for the phone companies to have more and more of these junk phone calls generated. Who knows if that's really true and why. But the thing is, they're happening, and that's why a zero tolerance on what you answer is the best defense you got. I am so excited to have you here for the Clark Howard Show because I am intensely excited about what I'm about to share with you. This show is all about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. And what in the world does the fact that smoking levels have reached a record low in the United States have to do with anything? Everything! Because I remember years ago, I did a segment on TV about how rich someone would be if they quit smoking and just took the money that they were spending on cigarettes and instead invested it, and how easy it was just from the cigarette money to become a millionaire. But in addition to that, you think about in daily life, I'm not even getting in the health aspect of this, in daily life, the money that is siphoned off by cigarettes. When I'm in a, in a convenience store and someone in front of me is buying cigarettes, and the cashier will ring them up and with a straight face says, you know, $23 or whatever it is for the packs they buy. I'm like, oh, man, man, think about that. That money is money that could go to anything else in your life. Now, let me hit you with real numbers. The percent of American adults who smoke is down to 14%. Among kids, high schoolers, it's down to 9%. Both are all-time lows. It used to be a common rite of passage with teenagers that they would smoke. When I was in high school, back when we fought off the pterodactyls, smoking was legal, legal, was permitted in school. At college, you could smoke in class. Think how much has changed. And now, today, you so seldom see people smoking. Except in the movies. For some reason, the bad guys in movies always smoke. Anyway, think about that. Think about that imaging that the sinister bad guy is the one who's smoking the cigarette. Anyway, I digress. Because the health benefit, if you quit, is unreal because when I was a kid like half of Americans smoked I used to smoke I mean we just did that I quit in my early 20s because I loved to work out and it was affecting uh, how how long I could work out my breathing how fast I could run and so I quit so I quit for the wrong reason but I quit and I'm really glad 
that I didn't smoke for that many years and I haven't smoked in forever. I want you to know that the science shows that if you're a smoker and you quit, it's amazing, but you may have caused damage up to the point you've been smoking, but there are enormous health benefits from when you do quit forward. So think about it. This is like that perfect intersection where it makes you more physically fit to not blow all that money on cigarettes, and it'll make you more physically fit. So dump the cigs. Charles is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Charles. Hello, Clark. How are you today? Great, thank you. Charles, in your life, did you ever smoke? Uh, for 10 minutes, 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, think how much money is in your pocket over these 30 years that wouldn't have been if you had kept smoking. It's crazy. Just something that never interested me. Well, that's so good for you. Charles, how can I be of service to you? Well, uh, my wife and I are probably eight or nine years away from retirement, and we're, I'm putting away a lot of money in the 401k, but we've got this monkey on our back. It's a loan that we took out several years ago. It's got 11% interest rate, and I'm wondering if I should reduce my 401k contribution to the point of the match and aggressively pay this loan off to get rid of it. Possibly, but let's talk about this. What kind of loan is it? This is a um, variable interest rate loan. So it started out at 7%, so now it's up to 11 with rates going up. It's a loan we took out a few years ago to help out my oldest daughter who is going through some issues. And this, this loan is our decision, not hers. So we, tried, we are trying to help her out. Is she doing better uh, now, I hope? She is doing better. She's Good. On, a, on, a, on a better path. I am so glad. Yes. And, and she's so lucky to have had you in her life that you were able to step up and were able to provide the help for her to get back on her feet. So good for you. Well, we do what we can. So now you're suffering consequences as you approach retirement from being there to bail her out at that point. So Correct. Uh, we'll talk about different scenarios. Are you a member of a credit union? Uh, my wife is, and we are participants in a credit union. Have Have you at any point gone to the credit union and see if you can borrow money from them at a lower rate to pay off this 11%? Uh, we have not, but that would be an option. Both We both have credit scores above 800. All right, so we're getting to territory where maybe that would help. Uh, you may okay. even, with a credit union, be able to take out a credit card with them. Uh, with uh, You know how they're the balance transfer offers? There may be one yeah. that would take you down to a single digit back towards where you were before. Okay. You also have the option, potentially, with the credit scores you have, of going on Prosper.com or LendingClub.com. Are you familiar with either of those? No, I'm not. There are uh, forums where individuals lend money to other individuals. Okay. And they tend to lend money at a lower rate than you would normally have from a bank. And uh, people, and I, I've been testing it for the last two years. Both of them I put in money as somebody lending to people. And it's worked out well for me, and it seems to work out well for the borrowers you may, with credit scores like you have, be able to get a low enough rate that you'd leave your 401k alone 
and just pay off this money. How much total remains? I think you told me, but I forgot. It's, it, yeah, it's about a $28,000 balance. Twenty-eight. So you didn't yeah. tell me that because I would remember yeah. that. So okay. I don't know that you'll be able to borrow all 28 on Lending Club or Prosper, but you might in combination be able to on both of those and get a fixed rate at a lower kind of number and it would potentially get things done. You know, Lending Club lets you borrow up to 40 grand, but you okay. might not get one of the really decent rates if you borrowed all 28,000 from them. You could check it out. Okay. And the reason I'm mentioning all these alternatives is I like the idea of you, when you're approaching retirement, continuing to have money in your 401k, building from it, and just if we can get the loan payments where they're more manageable, where more of your money is going to principal instead of interest, that would be a real win for you. Okay. So start with those things, the credit union, Lending Club, Prosper, and actually you could start at Lending Club and Prosper because you would know almost immediately if that would be a way for you to refinance this into a lower fixed rate. Okay, that makes sense. And again, uh, tell your daughter I wish the best for her and that she has a, a great, great life in front of her. Good. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thanks. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. And Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mike. Hey, Clark. How we doing? Great. Thank you, Mike. Good. Good. It's a good day. Well, what's going on at your doctor? I can't wait to hear what they're doing to your wallet. Well, we're wondering... If the, if the billing procedure that they've started up and we are experiencing now is, is going to be the new quote-unquote normal. We hope not, but I was going to run it by you and get your thoughts. What are they doing to you? Well, we, we called a couple of weeks ago to schedule an epidural injection, and we, we do this fairly often, three, four times a year. Well, I'm sorry that you're suffering from pain that you need to have regular epidurals. It's uh, it's kind of been a fact of life for the last, I don't know how many years, but that's the way it's been. Okay. Um, uh, the insurance, co- the, the medical office always contacts the insurance company for approval, and then the medical office calls us to schedule the actual appointment. Usually at that time, they will tell us the estimated out-of-pocket costs. And those estimated costs used to be expected to be paid at check-in, which and that's not too bad. But the, a couple of weeks ago when, we, when they called us back for scheduling, they wanted payment over the phone for the patient portion just to get scheduled. Okay, that is not the new normal. It does occur. It does occur, but that is not the new normal. We could not believe it. Well, Uh, okay, so I'll tell you, it does happen with people scheduling uh, medical things where the medical things are, to a sense, elective. And the the offices may have problems with no-shows, and so they're getting the money up front, mm-hmm. and people much are much more likely to show up if they've already paid what their copay is going to be. Sure. And so I'm, I would put money on 
that's why this particular medical practice is doing this, that the, the office manager or the doctor, somebody got upset about people making appointments and not showing up or showing up and they say they don't have the money for their copay. Mm-hmm. So you're being punished right. for what other people have not done. Uh, one of the kickers is that it, this particular office, uh, you know, the, the, the patient portion is just an estimate, and it's never correct. Um, <laughs> last, the, it's not. The, the last time um, we owed them $50 more, that was not a problem. But the time before that, we had overpaid by about $80. And this particular medical office, um, if you overpay they do not automatically issue a refund. They credit you, they just leave a credit on your account. So they're holding on to your money. Sure. And so it sounds to me like you don't have a good relationship with this medical practice anymore because you don't support the way they run their business side of it. And if there's another practice that does the epidurals that you need to have routinely, you may need to look at changing practices if you don't feel they're behaving in the right way right. towards you or in an ethical way towards you. Right. We have thought of that, um, but we are dealing with probably the biggest player in our local market. That's okay. There may yeah. be a hungrier, um, more customer service-oriented other player in the market. I hope so. So you, <laughs> you vote with your wallet if you feel that you're being mistreated, and I hear it in your voice. I hear that yeah. you feel disrespected by this practice. And why should you give them your money if you feel disrespected by them? Yeah. And I, I just I don't see the point of having to wait about seven weeks to get any refund if you're going to get a refund. And having to pay the money up front. So that sure. is your choice. The beauty is that there are options in the marketplace. What they're doing is not standard operating procedure and so the greatest power you have is to vote with your wallet and your feet and go somewhere else and i hope that the time comes that there's an alternative to deal with the pain you're suffering other than having epidurals every 90 days kyla is with us on the clark howard show hello kyla understand you are a fellow entrepreneur I am. I was recently laid off, and so I thought this was the time to um, follow my dreams and start my own business. And how's it going so far? So far, it's good. I'm still in the very, very early stages, um, but I'm kind of at the point where I'm needing to get a credit card processor, and I've done tons of research, and I've kind of narrowed it down to PayPal and Square. And they seem really similar, same rates and stuff, but I just kind of wanted to get your professional opinion. So people uh, love, as merchants, love PayPal and Square till they don't. <laughs> till, I mean, I know that sounds like such a silly statement that they make the process really easy. The, it's very predictable. You know what you're going to pay. 2.75%, I think. No monthly uh-huh. fee, no monthly minimum. And they send you the device to be able to clear your charges and all that. The problems with both of them have come up when there's a dispute by a customer about a charge and it doesn't seem to matter what you say what the circumstance is 
what I hear from merchants is that they don't stand behind you at either organization. But there's a different thing I want to bring to the table. How much charge volume are you going to have, and what's your average ticket likely to be? I, my projections, again, I'm in the very early stages, maybe 25 to $50. It's just going to be a small general gift shop. Um, and maybe over the course of a year, maybe 50000 So something very small. All right. So at this point, you're making the right decision. If your average ticket turns out over time to be higher and your volume grows over time, you would then want to look at doing a traditional merchant relationship where you you pay for a merchant processor and then you pay uh, potentially monthly minimums, you pay a much lower clear per charge, but at the point you're at, you're doing the right thing. Okay. And, and, and so really choosing between Square Up and PayPal is really just, I mean, just, it's almost like, tossing a coin in the air but in this case you don't lose either way making either decision i do know that uh, people who have retail stores tend to gravitate towards using square up and people who do a decent amount of online sales as well as retail tend towards using paypal where you have both platforms so readily available Okay. Well, that's perfect. That's so helpful. And best of luck in your business. And you know what I love and what you told me? That, Kyla, there you were getting laid off and you decided this was not a problem. This was an opportunity. You had the guts to get out and start your own business. And now or never, you're doing it. And I hope it just takes off. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 